0: Get your sugar sugar postpartum deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long, and with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast, I'm Adriana Lozada, and today I'm switching it up with some birth stories. Laura Brandenburg's placentas tend to steal her birth shows. She's here to tell us how this prompted a transfer from birth center to hospital for her first birth, and how she got the last word during her second birth by delivering both baby and placenta at home. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. Thank you, as always, for listening and for all the love you give the show. I really appreciate your comments and requests and, of course, your reviews since those help get the show in front of even more parents. So if you enjoy what you hear, then please, please, please consider leaving a review in iTunes. I will be forever grateful. All right. All right. So today I have with me Laura Brandenburg to tell us about her birth stories. She's got two, and we were talking beforehand, and Laura was commenting about how her placentas tend to steal her birth show. I cannot wait to hear all about it, but first I want to welcome you, Laura. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Adriana. Yeah. So I want to go back to when you were pregnant because i think that's when we start preparing for birth right mm-hmm. what what were you doing to prepare for birth what were some of those decisions that you made and what was your expectations and feelings about the upcoming birth
1: yeah i feel like the the biggest first decision we made was was where to receive our care So I had gone to my OB uh, first and had like a gazillion questions. I was like three weeks pregnant, like so early and uh, and just had never really thought through the birth process um, from a a general practitioner standpoint and realized that like the chances of the people that I would meet there being actually being at the birth were unlikely And actually, the person that I had the closest relationship with there was not the OB, but the nurse practitioner, and she didn't go to the hospitals at all. And so just had a lot of fear around, oh, my goodness, like, I do this like the normal way, <laughs> the way that I've always thought that it would be done, I would end up just being with a lot of new people that I wouldn't meet until the day of. And that just felt like a really vulnerable time. Uh, and so we started exploring other options. And uh, one of my very close friends here in Denver uh, was Pregnant almost exactly the same time or exactly the same day, our daughters ended up being born two days apart. uh, And she had found this option of a a local birth center here and um, went to a tour and and really felt like that was a better fit. Um, You got to meet all the midwives going in. Uh, And so you knew that somebody that you had met several times during your care would be at your birth. And that was just a really comforting feeling to me. And it felt like the right decision. Uh, And so that was, I think, the biggest decision I made is just where to get care and who who to have as that support team.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's huge. I, I love that you're bringing that up because that's one of the things that we're constantly if you ask anybody who does anything regarding birth what are the first things to do to prepare is like well look at your care provider and do they align with what your what your wishes are um and and also letting people know that it's never too late to switch right and and that just because you've had an OB for however many years OB care and DYN care DYN care and OB care are very different doesn't mean that if you've had a GYN forever, that's the best care for your for delivering the baby.
1: Right, right. And I probably wasn't even using that term, right. I kind of use those interchangeably. So just the doctor that I had been going to.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you switched to midwives. And Mm -hmm. how were you feeling about the actual birth process and, 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 you know, you, you, you got a care provider that aligned more with what you were hoping with. What mm-hmm. other things did you do to prepare for birth?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of focus on nutrition and, and self-care. Uh, I was really business focused at that time, too. And so I did a lot of like preparing of Ways my business is going to run. That was a huge focus for me. I think that kept me going during my pregnancy, like just figuring that all out um, and feeling like I was ready to be able to step back after the birth happened. Uh, we had some great birth classes where we learned about the process, about how, what to expect, best case scenario, some of the things that could happen, worst case scenario. Um, but there was just a lot of uncertainty around that, honestly. Like, I felt like even, you know, the day of, like, okay, I'm really not sure what this is going to be like. And I don't know, like, I don't know what I would have else I would have done to prepare. But I feel like at the time, I wasn't Mm -hmm. overly like ready for for what the birth process would be like I will say that for sure I knew it technically but like the actual emotional experience of it
0: so how did you the day of how did you know you were in labor
1: my water broke on my due date I woke up went to the bathroom my water broke in the toilet very nice and neat and (laughs) um, graciously like in the toilet so that was nice but that's um, I didn't have contractions until that evening. So actually that whole day was just like kind of that in-between stage of like, are things going to happen? Are things not going to happen? Are they going to happen fast enough? And uh, so that's but that's how I knew that things were destined to start at, at some point.
0: And how organized and professional of you to start birth that way on your due date? <laughs> Water <laughs> breaking on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So... Uh. So then all day long, you're kind of waiting and saying, what happened in the evening? Walk us through that birth.
1: Yeah. So that evening, around the time it started to get dark, um, contractions started to pick up a little bit, and I think I had rested on and off throughout the day, and Uh, continued to rest on and off throughout the night and around the middle of the night, like midnight, um, my husband, I think had just finally fallen asleep. And I was like, Oh, I need his help. Right. (laughs) Like we were at home and, um, yeah I was just I realized like I couldn't oh I was working I was crocheting and like working on things you know just trying to keep myself busy um and distracted um but realized that I really did need his help and we just then that that phase like from midnight to six quite honestly is kind of a blur I just know that there was a lot of contractions and things kept feeling a little bit more intense a little bit more intense a little bit more intense um and that morning, I was like, you know, I think it's time, like, we go to the birth center. And my husband was like, yep, you know what, uh, you're, whatever, however they say, however long they're supposed to be apart, like, they, I was right on that cue of like, it's time to call and like, go in. And so we went in and the car ride was, you know, one of the roughest parts. It's about a half hour from where we live to the birth center that we went to, uh, and got there and then things slowed down, right? And so then I was like, well, wait a minute, uh, things were really like moving, when we were at home, and now things feel slow again, so it felt like a kind of a long day and um, We got there really early in the morning, like six or seven in the morning, and my daughter was born at four thirty that afternoon uh, and I started pushing somewhere around midday, so I actually pushed for over four hours uh, officially on record, so I know that 's quite a long time, too. It definitely felt like a long time. <laughs>
0: Mm, yeah. that So it is. <laughs> Kudos to you because that is, yeah, four <laughs> hours. Especially since, it you know, getting to the birth center at six at seven, your daughter born at 430. You said your water broke during the due date, like early the day before.
1: Right. It had broken about seven o'clock the morning before.
0: So all in all, in terms for like a first time birth, it's about average in length except it seemed to be moving in different spaces right and mm. like took a while to get contractions and then contract and then pushing was really long it it's fascinating to me how every birth is so unique and does it like it's not linear it does its own thing yeah <laughs>
1: yeah for and sure
0: what was the most so During, while you were in the birth center, what things did you do to help you cope with what was, what labor was doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of sitting on the birth ball. Um, I had actually like demanded we bring our birth ball. I don't think that ever got brought in, but (laughs) but I was like, we need this birth ball, right? Like mine actually sitting on it right now. We still have it, but (laughs) just one of those exercise balls. Um, there was a tub, so some time in the tub, though not – like I had anticipated that being a really big part of my birth and having a water birth, and that did not end up being the case. Um just didn't – I couldn't get comfortable in the tub the way that I had wanted to. Um, there was time in the shower. There was a lot of the nurses and my husband applying pressure to my lower back. That seemed to be like a very good counterpressure. Um You know, never played the. I had all these playlists ready, and I remember somebody being like, "Do you want your music on?" I think everybody else wanted the music on. I was like, "No, no music, no music. Like, right? Just, just need to stay inside myself." So, um, all of the things I thought I was gonna do kind of didn't end up happening, but everything that needed to happen still happened.
0: Hmm. What was the one thing that you think actually worked best for you once you were in it?
1: Um, I think just having having people there that I knew and being confident that I could ask for what I needed right was and I don't know that there was one thing that stands out to me as the thing that helped my birth go along, except for that one core piece of like I knew everyone there, I trusted everyone there, and I felt confident on some level that I was going to get what I needed while I was there.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is fantastic. That feeling of safety, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Good. Um, And then, so the pushing, was it anything specific that, uh, four hours is on the longer side, but it's not unusual for it to happen. Was there anything that was happening that you think made it
1: take that long? Yeah, yeah. I really think, I mean, I was scared. Right. And there was, there was part of me in that time that thought like, can we just hit the undo button on this entire thing? (laughs) Like, like, you know, obviously you need to get the baby out. But part of me was like, Nope, we're just going to go back nine months and it's all going to be over. And this is going to (laughs) stop. And so I really think I was scared of becoming a mom and, scared of what that change was going to be once it happened, like not the actual physical act of pushing the baby out, but the actual act of like being a mother once that was done. Um, and so I was, I was completely resisting it, um, for sure. And, uh, uh, there was a lot, you know, there was certain Positions, I think the midwives put me in to try to speed things along, and I would feel that start to work, and I'd be like, "No, no, 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 like not now. We'll do this later." Or, you know, where's that two button? Um, and of course, completely illogical, but that was definitely what was happening in my brain at the time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because it's what. So after being you've been in a doula for almost ten years, and you have you see all, all every birth is very unique, but you start to see. Patterns And you start to see categories and you start to see, and it is, birthing is indeed a full body mind experience. So sometimes your body's ready, but unless your brain catches up, it just is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, for yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> and it seems like that's what you are, God. how insightful of you to, you know, look back and say, huh, yeah, that was my brain holding it back. I was scared. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: So tell us about after the baby was born. Yeah, well, I was exhausted, right? I remember, uh, I I was on the birthing stool for that the last like probably hour. I don't know. It was a long time of like just bearing down and and really finally committed to birthing the baby, and. Uh, yeah, I was just exhausted and they, hand, they. I love how they, they hand you your baby, right? And you're, I'm sitting there, but I'm like, I, I can actually like feel like I could hold her sitting up. And so we walked over to the bed and they helped me get into the bed. Um, and then of course, then I could hold her. It was a lot easier because she could lay on my chest. Um, and and then a big part of the story, which you alluded to at the beginning, was was the placenta. Because like in my mind, things were over, right? I had worked so hard and things were over. I was done. Everything else was just supposed to happen. Um, and then I kind of started to pick up the signals that, you know, things weren't, you know, something was wrong, right? Just that perkle of, oh, how are you feeling? You know, rubbing on the tummy and, um maybe a little bit more bleeding than there was supposed to be. And, and kind of like remembered, Oh right, I still have to birth birth the placenta. Uh, and, and then there was more active work where the midwives had me get on my hands and knees and try to push it out. And then there were, was Pitocin and other shots and things. And then all of a sudden there was, you know, multiple people in the room and, um, the midwife actually manually extracted the placenta from me, which was more painful than the birthing process itself. Um, And, you know, it was just terrifying because I don't, and I don't think she knew going in, I didn't know this then, but she didn't know, she thought it was loose and she was just going to kind of pull it out. And then she ended up fully extracting it. And so just... I mean it's just all of a sudden you're in this kind of semi peaceful, half dozing off place and and everything gets turned upside down around it. Uh is how I felt. And uh and definitely that fear of like all of a sudden everybody's in the room, right? Something must be wrong. Why is there five people here when before there was just me and, and the midwife and, and the assistant midwife? So uh that was pretty scary.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. So um Was there, it it was just that the placenta wasn't quite coming in the, in the time that they were looking for it to come and what there was, you were having some bleeding?
1: I think so. Yeah. And, and a lot of bleeding, um, or too much bleeding, uh, and too much time. I don't know. I don't remember those specific details, but, uh, definitely there was some urgency around that getting out. Um, so then what happened? So then we had a couple of peaceful hours again. Um, but the party didn't realize is that because of the way the placenta came out, they were nervous that um, there were pieces that were still attached to my uterus. Uh, so I ended up having to be transferred to the, the hospital, which is just like a block away um, for a postpartum uh, DN, DNC, I think is the word. So, uh, which was you know, kind of, you, you envision the, the story that's supposed to unfold is once you have your baby there, you spend four hours and then you get to go home and you sleep in your own bed. And like, that's what we were prepared for. (laughs) And the story instead was getting transferred around seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, and then, uh, my husband had to stay at the birth center with our daughter because she wasn't, um, it was actually a couple hours after she was born. So she had to stay there for a full four hours. Um, And so I really ended up going to the hospital. The nurses were with me for the check-in, but then I was left there alone for the procedure. And that was, you know, to go from this environment in which you have all the support you need to all new people, very medical process. Um, I had met the doctor before, um, but I had not met anyone else Um, and just you know, to, to really be alone. And then eventually, like, there's pain medication that made me feel loopy. So to feel very vulnerable in that process was also very scary. It's still a big part of my story. I still have some sadness and like regret around that for sure.
0: Mm, which yeah. is I un- completely understandable. Also, considering how, you know, labor is tough, but, and it is what it is, but <laughs> that you had this beautiful labor, and then things kind of Went sideways a bit after afterwards.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Before we jump into your second birth, I want to take a quick break right here. Uh, We'll be right back to talk about that. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at DrMomButtBalm.com. That's DrMomButtBalm.com. Or look for it at Amazon.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. And sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments. Which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So, for example, I take advantage of Acorns Roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy-peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthfull or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC Acorns, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. So fast forward to your next yeah. birth, next pregnancy, What did you do differently this time, (laughs) if anything?
1: Yeah, well, a lot, right? So one thing that I realized is how important it was to look at the entire, like all of the scenarios and how the care that I signed up for would play out in those scenarios. So I knew like if I went back to the birth center, I would definitely have had a doula the second time. Uh, I did actually go to a couple of appointments there and I was ended up being disappointed. They hadn't made any, like I had shared all this feedback and my story and, um, like there's gotta be some sort of change. Like, cause at least to help somebody in this situation, make a better decision about, you know, being there by myself, um, and there hadn't been a change. And I was so disappointed that it was really kind of defeating to me. And I was like, I just can't stay here. Uh, and we ultimately decided to have our second daughter at home, uh, with uh, a a midwife again, of course, uh, and knowing that that midwife was going to stay with us pretty much no matter what happened. And having walked through some of those scenarios that you really don't hope happen, but if, you know, the what ifs, how, how are we covered in all of these different cases? And just making sure that I would feel like I had that continuity of support again so that I could go into it confident and not worried about the outcome. So
0: what you're saying is if in case you needed a transfer, that she would stay with you in the hospital?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So the midwife we chose here and in Colorado, I know the laws are different everywhere, but uh, she she would kind of almost assist you in the hospital more as a doula. Um, Obviously, she can't provide your care in the hospital, um, but she would stay with with me through the entire process no matter what happened.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and Yeah, and that's definitely putting something in place that, you, especially with what you were saying about feeling that th- after the transfer, that being alone in the hospital seemed like a very vulnerable um, experience for you. It makes sense that, that yeah. you went ahead and, and tried to cover that big what if.
1: Right, right.
0: So... What? How did you go into labor for this one? Was it as organized as the first
1: one? <laughs> no, it was way messier. Like, well, not messy, but just kind of unclear, right? So things, even a few days leading up to her birth, started to feel like, oh, baby feels really dropping or contractions here and there, Um Uh, just kept thinking, maybe this is it, maybe this is it, right? And then there was, both of my uh, daughters were actually born the day after significant snowstorms, which says something about Colorado weather because one is born in November and the other one is in May. So that's how long we actually get snow here, which is kind of crazy. But so it was the day after a snowstorm. And so again, like it was a couple days after my, you know, the actual date that I was expecting, you know, the due date. Um, And so... Uh, things just kind of kept feeling iffy. And then finally one night I woke up and was having contractions every few minutes, Um, but they weren't that intense. And I was like, Oh, maybe I've just got this this time. Right. Maybe like that's every three to four minutes. Like that's really like often. Um, And I'm not even groaning through them and the advice like, yeah, it doesn't, it sounds like they're not really like full, full contractions. Like why don't you just go and try to get some more rest? (laughs) So did that and ended up sleeping on and off through the night, and um, things picked up throughout the next day from that. Uh, and my second daughter was born that evening, around eight, eight seven thirty or eight at night. So, mm.
0: how yeah. was the the initial of not knowing? Is this it? Is this not it? Is this early labor? How long is it going to take? How did that feel emotionally to you?
1: Yeah, it felt. Like, uh, I think the hardest part for me was not, so not knowing when to call in our support. So we had the sibling doula that we needed and I knew needed to be there for our now older daughter, um, the midwife and not really wanting to call her like if I didn't really need her. Right. And she's always like, no, 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 just call, just call. But you know, just that uncertainty and then that guilt of like being a burden and, And feeling like I've reached out to people when I didn't need to. Uh, So I think that was the biggest emotion that I struggled with. And it uh, just, and even like as things progressed, like, oh, and then things would back off again. Like, oh, now our sibling duel is here. What if this is like a three-day labor and I called her way too soon? What are we going to do then? And just kind of that what if and kind of worry scenario of um, just I don't know. I don't know how exactly how else to describe that. It just felt very uncertain. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tough
0: to to be in that because you second guess yourself because there's there's no way to know what's gonna happen or when it's gonna right. happen. And I I know that you being so so you do a lot of business stuff. <laughs> You <laughs> know. And maybe maybe right now it would be a good idea to share with the listeners a little bit of your background because it's so defining for you of you know, you shared with me your birth plans, um your birth stories ahead of time and in it you even wrote, like, because I'm such a planner, it was really helpful that the midwife told me what the plan was gonna be for the next three things, you know?
1: <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And so um, just, I guess, a little bit about my business. I've been uh, a business analyst uh, throughout my entire, almost my entire career professionally. And eight years ago, started uh, a, a virtual training organization, uh, a blog that became a virtual training organization. Uh, and this intersects a lot with the, the daughters or having children too, because I was always planning ahead, right? How is this business going to play out when, um, I'm eventually a mother and I was consulting and coaching and I was like, this isn't going to work like consulting. I'm constantly moving my schedule around other people and I need people to move their schedule around me. Uh, and so looked at more forms of on-demand training and passive income through toolkits and, in books and built a lot of that into my business model. Uh, going forward. And so, yeah, I'm always thinking like five steps ahead, uh, in my business and my personal life. And I think that definitely affected, um, played out in my verse too, because I wanted to see how is this going to go? How is it going to unfold? And what can I do to make sure everything's organized and that I'm not, you know, that, there's nothing too unexpected about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, at least that everything's taken care of. I knew, like, I knew I had to embrace a certain amount of unpredictability. Like, that's birth. Like, I was felt accepting of that, but I wanted to make sure the scenarios were covered.
0: Mm. And, yeah. and I think so many of the listeners, of the Mighty Mamas out there will relate to that because we do like to, in this society where we can have, like, everything super custom-made and have three choices of, you know... <laughs> anything (laughs) of what type of paint do you know magenta or or pink or whatever we all we have so many options to get that control that you know I think pointing out the fact that birth requires you to look at yourself and how you deal with things and controlling is important so what were some of the ways that you felt you were able to, you know, a piece or give work to that organizer during the birth so that then your body could do the birth?
1: Mm. Uh, You know, well, a home birth is the nice thing about a home birth is there is so much to organize, right? So you've got your toolkit or your birth kit. um, So having the space ready Uh, Even when I got up in the middle of the night, like my husband's like, obviously this isn't going to happen like in the next 10 minutes, but I'm like, we need the birth tub in our room. Like, can you please just move it in our room so it's ready? And, you know, just things that I felt like we could just to have things ready and in place. And that's how the organizer part of me played out. Um, Having talked through my past birth story and come to terms with some of that really helped. Um, Gosh, what else? Uh, just, uh, those are the things that are coming to mind right now, Adriana. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I think those are good. Now, yeah. did did you feel once the tub was in place and was there any internal shift of like, okay, now things are in place and I can just do this or... For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still had the guilt about, did we call our sibling doula too early? Right. Like that was kind of a story running in the back of my mind, but I knew the more important thing was just to let go and just, you know, if it's going to happen, let it happen. Right. And to, to go inside myself more and just allow the process to unfold and, and that I couldn't necessarily control the process for, for certain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me more about the sibling doula. How was she helpful to you guys? Oh, she was amazing. Uh, she was a a friend of well, she's a friend of ours now. I'm trying to we, we and we were acquaintances before um before that process. But she is was a is a trained doula. Uh so she's very knowledgeable about the birth process too. Um, and it really freed up my husband to sort of be our doula to a certain extent, uh, because he, he didn't have the whole day that I was in labor at home. She was spending time with our daughter and keeping her entertained. And really, we knew she was in good hands. We also knew that, um, that she was going to hear empowering things about birth. So we have, we have a nanny who could have also filled that role. Um, but I really wanted someone who understood birth, uh, who was used to being on call. Right. So, um, cause we didn't know it was going to happen like during the day. So nicely like that, it could have been in the middle of the night. So somebody who was going to be used to being on call and, and be able to respond whenever we needed them. Um, but also just to not be scared by the, the birth process, uh, because I know for, for a lot of women that can be a scary process, and I just really wanted somebody there who was going to help our daughter through it and explain things in positive ways and be excited about seeing the birthing process. Uh, and, and that's really why we chose a, a sibling doula instead of a, a typical child care provider.
0: Mm, And that's a great point, because that's what I I hear that worry a lot from from first or, you know, from moms, second time moms where that are about to give birth and sort of like want trying to figure out how how much to involve their children into this next birth and Mm -hmm. how much, you know, will they they want them close by, but they don't want them seeing her in and you know doing what needs to be done to get through labor so making vocalizing or the movements or and mm-hmm. and that, that's a tough thing to wrestle with
1: yeah yeah and our daughter was in the room for the birth uh her daughter and the daughter in the in the doula um and that i had said i mean we had said like obviously if she really doesn't want to be there like she doesn't have to be there but if she wants to be there that's totally okay too um and kind of encourage that was a not expected but encouraged ahead of time like just kind of oh you're you know you're, you can be in the room and see how it happens and be part of the process and and then she ended up did you know she sat there for like an hour during the final pushing of and and was there when she was born it was pretty awesome how
0: old was she she's two and a half okay and um and so this birth, this pushing, how was that? And where were you at? And did you get to use, was the tub more comfortable this time? Uh,
1: I was in the tub. And it's so, so funny because this midwife has tubs that are actually like, they're agricultural tubs. Like it's not even a fancy birth tub. And I had sat in it um, like before I was in labor. And I was like, gosh, this thing is uncomfortable. Like, I don't know about this. We'll see. <laughs> and then, but once I got in it, um During, you know, quite towards the end, uh, it was it was perfect. And I was very comfortable in there. Uh, It was really quite large, too. So I think that was part of the helpful and the water was a lot higher than the ones that I had been in before. Um, And the pushing was so different. So in the first my first birth, I felt like. I was either resisting it or trying really, really hard. Right. So I was in those two phases and this time, a lot of the preparation I did um, and this was some of my fear around the placenta was like, I was just exhausted. Like that was the only explanation I had for why the placenta didn't come out on time is that my body was just so exhausted. It shut down and didn't actually release it. And so I knew that I needed to keep my energy up and that the pushing, if I felt like if the pushing could be less, less trying hard and more just allowing, you know, like me stepping away from the process and allowing my body to do whatever it was going to do, um, that I felt like that would make it easy, like the whole process easier. And and so it was like that where I just, I didn't even ever feel like I tried to push, but I just kind of let my body do what my body was going to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And so it felt different. Did it, did it, was it shorter also?
1: It was much shorter. Yes feel like maybe 45 minutes so awesome yeah Yeah. (laughs) how
0: so (laughs) another big question what happened with the placenta this time (laughs) yeah
1: it was still a little bit of a story like um (laughs) um so there was still some fear around that like and i i was I wasn't afraid at first. Like I was, I felt very relaxed around it. And I was like, this is going to happen. Right. It's, I know it's going to happen. Um, but then again, there was some extra blood and, you know, a little bit of like, well, we're kind of in that time frame. like, you know, in a few minutes we might try um, whatever they do at home. I forget. I don't know if it's Pitocin or whatever, but uh, you know, there's certain whatever the protocols were uh, and I'm like okay, okay, and then then I was like oh great no we're not going to the hospital over this like I'm not leaving my house to go to the hospital, uh, and so you know it was really like well what can I do right what can I do differently and the midwife was like you can nurse and you can push. And I tried the nursing thing and that just, like, it wasn't, we weren't kind of connecting like that. And especially, like, I wasn't connecting nursing and pushing at the same, like, those were just not complementary actions for my body. And so I just, like, I just kind of went inside myself again. I was like, what do I need to do? Like, I think I can feel my placenta right here. Like, and then I just was like, I think I just need to push. And so asked the midwife, what was the best? Cause she had been giving me some instructions about ways that I could move my hips or whatever. So what was the best way to push? And she kind of helped me navigate through that again. And I just focused all the energy I could, um, on that space and the placenta came out. <laughs> and so I was very grateful. Like when it have, okay, it's done, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm through this, this phase. So, um, so that was freeing to realize, you know, that I, I could do that on my own. Yay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still some work, right? It was still some work. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And I I love, though, that when faced with the, oh, no, you know, this was a fear you had from before and you had sort of worked through it and and thought a lot about it. And when faced with the possibility of, is this going to happen again? You decided, oh, hello. And (laughs) And tried to do things differently, like went internally and touch base with your intuition and your body of like, okay, what do I need to do? What, what do I need to do to get this thing to happen? And harness some energy with focus to get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's amazing. And which isn't to say that like that will always guarantee that things will happen that way but I feel did it feel like it was a big
1: accomplishment for you for sure for sure yeah Uh, it felt like an accomplishment um it also just it felt I think it helped me learn to trust myself a little bit more too. Like, if I had the bigger story around the story, right, is that there were, even with all the supportive messages, like the midwives were wonderful and the support team was wonderful, right? Everybody was wonderful, but there was a lot going on outside of me, even in a very calm, environment where there was really compared to a lot of birth environments, like not a lot going on. Right. But there just seemed like there was a lot of messages, a lot of ideas, a lot of direction. Um, and it was hard to absorb all of that. So for me to say, okay, I've heard all that, what do I need to do? And to have that get the result I wanted. I mean, that's just, it's kind of doubling down on on how much you can trust yourself when you really, really pay attention, um, to what's happening inside.
0: I so. love that, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So yeah. after having had these two births, and, yeah. you know, having been however many years, what, what would you say to the listeners who are pregnant and sort of, you know, have an upcoming birth, um, uh-huh. com- coming close in a few months?
1: What, yeah. what would you say to them? Uh, I think to trust yourself, uh, for sure, and to expect the unexpected, right, Um, to look at the team that you have around you and the, the people that you want with you during your birth and consider if, if you've made like the best decisions for you and, and that they're going to empower you and help you as well as give you the information that you feel like you're going to need, um, no matter what happens, because as the planner, I know you can, like my situation was kind of a unique one. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. Um, and so there wasn't like a lot of planning around that situation, but, uh, I, and the more most important thing is knowing that the people you have there are going to, to help you through it and and to give you the information you need to to really make the best decision in the time that that you have. So those are the thoughts and, and also just not to be like scared by my story. I feel like um, you could hear my experience and, and be a little bit scared from it and I, I definitely don't want to leave with that because all of the all of the pieces of that, Um, now that I look back at them, they were they were scary at the time, but they were very like they're just they become part of who I am and part of the relationships with my daughters. And and I feel like there's a lot of good to bring forward from that. Mm -hmm.
0: And did you find that those was it what was scary about it? I want to I want to dig deeper into that. What was making it scary?
1: Uh When I think of the scary part, I mostly think of being alone in the hospital and all of a sudden having like realizing that I didn't have any any support. Right. So that that was scary. Um, And and the fear of of becoming a mother, which I kind of knew, like. I kind of knew that I wasn't ready and I had worked through like lots of books and journaling and, and done a lot of work around it. And I like, oh, something's going to happen. I'm not quite ready. And, uh, you know, maybe paying attention to that, uh, that feeling and, and getting a little bit more support around it too, if you can.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad I asked you that because for somebody listening may, you know, that hasn't been in the experience of birth yet, they might think that the scary part is like, oh, my placenta's not coming and I'm bleeding and people are scared and, and maybe I'm in, in medical, you know, it's a medical situation, which is kind of what can sound scary. But I want to stress the fact that, you know, they're very prepared for those situations. And even if you had to like transfer from home, like the midwife's had Pitocin to give you, like they, they, uh, that's why you have them there, right? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so that they can take care of that. So it I, I, I find it's really interesting that what was scary is more your feelings of what mm-hmm. was going on rather than, you know, the external aspects of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was never really scared for my life or scared for the like the outcome. I don't that, yeah, that never that that never felt I was never scared of being hurt, like physically hurt, right? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was definitely more uh, the emotional part for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Laura, thank you so, so much for being so generous and sharing all your stories with us today in this. Um, we've got a holiday coming up, so <laughs> to set yeah. the mood, do a little things a little bit different. If people, and and I want to plug your business because, you know, Why not? So if people wanted to contact you or find out more of what you do, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for that. And thank you for having me. Uh, You can find out more at laurabrandenburg.com. So, in addition to the business that I mentioned that I started before my first daughter was born, I'm also helping other mom entrepreneurs build passive income screen, ugh, passive income streams uh, in their online businesses. Uh, just because it has been so empowering for me and created more financial freedom and flexibility in terms of how we plan out our lives. <laughs> it's always back to the planning. Uh, but I really have found this new passion in helping other mom entrepreneurs get organized around that part of their business and, and have those similar experiences too. So I'd love to connect with you if you're interested in that or if you just have other questions about my story, feel free to get in touch as well.
0: Yay. And I will link to that on the show notes. And I'll also add a link to the episode um that I, I There is another episode that I think is really appropriate for this com- this story and what we were talking about today about um, the third stage of labor, which is the stage from when the baby is born until the placenta is born and how, you know, what things you need to know about that and how to consider. And that was an episode with Dr. Sarah Buckley that I did earlier this year. So I'll link to that. So Mighty Mamas, you can listen to that as well. Laura, any last
1: parting words? I'm just grateful again for this opportunity and for how like the online world allows us to connect this way. Like, um, and I know like the people listening, you could be, you could be here in Denver or you could be in a different country altogether and how cool it is that all of us as women can connect and celebrate our birth, celebrate motherhood together. And, and thank you Adriana for your role and bringing that to fruition.
0: Oh, and thank you so much. And I think we might have some uh, some snowstorms. We do, over here in Rochester, we do a little bit of the snow like you do in, in Colorado, where it's like it can happen in November, it can happen in May. <laughs> so we'll, we'll definitely share that. Thank you so, so much. All right. Thank you. Mighty mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts, and if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful, so come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin MacLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Sabrisky. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One.